0: If you're good at something, never do it for free. You're my older brother, and I love you, but don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I you.
1: <laughs> Welcome back, we are the Pod Podfellas. Our podcast provides film and TV reviews from two guys that make, watch, and love movies. I'm Myron, and joining me each week is Will. Hello, everybody. Today, we'll be discussing the film Greyhound, starring Tom Hanks, and we'll be going through part eight of our 10 over 10 series, which is a look back at 10 of our favorite films over the course of 10 weeks with a look back at the film Spirited Away. Now, Will, this is a big milestone for us. We have done 29 episodes through our audio podcast. This is episode 30, and we decided to add the video element to it. After all, we are content creators. We do shoot a lot of video. That's our job. So we thought, why the hell not? I think I kind of dragged Will into this. I feel kind of guilty, <laughs> but kind of not. But <laughs> we'll see what happens. Though. I'm
0: all for it at least. Yeah.
1: First things first, though, let's get started, as always, with a rundown on the latest in entertainment news. Will, we are going to talk about three things today. The First thing I want to talk about is Batman. Batman's? I don't know what you would call the plural version of Batman. Oh, man. And I'm shocked that we even have to ask that question because that's kind of where we're at right now apparently hbo max had signed a contract or will sign a contract with ben affleck to uh, have him appear as batman yet again mm. with whatever content that hbo max wants him in which now brings our total number of current batman batmans yeah we now have three batmen Batman. Bat we got, trio. yes we have rob pattinson uh, in the new film version of Batman. Um, and then we have, of course, Michael Keaton playing maybe Bruce Wayne, maybe Thomas Wayne, we're not sure, in the Flash film. What a surprise. I know, that's that's awesome, I, I must say. And then we have Ben Affleck back as the Justice League Batman. So apparently what they're doing here, and I I want to ask your opinion on this. I'm for it. Uh, we're going from the DCEU, the DC Extended Universe, to the DCM, the DC Multiverse.
0: Uh, I, I've always also stated that I kind of thought it was cool to see different renditions at the same time of mm. Batman, Bat-Men. Mm. And, uh, I mean, they're not all in the same quote-unquote universe, but I think it's going to be really fascinating to see the different three actors play out their own rendition of, you know, their version of Batman and the directors, right. obviously. So, right. you know, it's kind of like if we ever watched the Back to the Future film with Eric Stoltz and Michael yeah. J. Fox all the way through we would see two totally different films (laughs) so yeah
1: you know i think this is a pretty common thing in comic books where certain characters are reimagined depending on like who's writing for it so we've had different takes of batman like all the time in his long history um, in the comic books i mean to me it feels as though uh warner brothers is just trying to figure out what works and if it works they're going to stick to it i mean (laughs) the joker worked as a standalone movie right yeah um And I think going with that whole ideology, they're just going to say like, hey, uh, we're going to try this. If it works, we'll keep going with it. I still don't know what they're doing, if there's going to be another Justice League sequel. Uh, But I mean, who knows? So everything we just talked about here from Ben Affleck um, to Michael Keaton coming back. So none of this (sighs) has been officially confirmed or announced. However, I think we'll get a lot more confirmation at the DC FanDome event on August 22nd. So we will be giving you guys a report on that uh, when more news becomes available. Heck yeah. Another thing I want to talk about with you, Will, is the fact that more and more movie delays are around the corner. I'm really, really bummed about some of these delays here, uh, most especially Halloween kills. Will, you and I watched um, the first reboot uh, directed by David Gordon Green when they brought Jamie Lee Curtis back and they kind of went back to what happened in Halloween 1 and 2. I was really looking forward to the sequel here. and It looks like they're making a trilogy out of this, but part two was supposed to come out You know, before Halloween in 2020 and part three was supposed to come out before Halloween in 2021. Now everything got pushed an entire freaking year. Yeah. This is what happens when a movie is based around a holiday. And obviously, if you want to take advantage of Halloween, you got to wait a whole damn year to release it, which really, 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 really sucks.
0: Honestly, I think that it's funny that they're doing another Halloween with Jimmy Lee Curtis. To me, I just kind of compare it to... (laughs) with Sarah Connor and the Terminator like just I mean I mean it's
1: cool that they're bringing like the OG back you know like Jamie Lee Curtis as as, uh, Laurie Strode or uh, you know Sarah Sarah Connor with Linda Hamilton it's really really cool I think and it kind of gave and I mean in in the in Dark Fate Terminator it kind of gave the movie a fresh burst of energy yeah, And she had that same, she has that character down. And so, Which is
0: funny, though, because that's supposed to be, like, really the third part of Terminator 2, right? I mean, yeah. uh, minus all the other films that were
1: in yeah. between. So many movies these days, they're, like, saying, okay, these last three or four sequels were bad. So we'll go back to, like, that point where it was still pretty good. So Terminator did it, of course. Halloween yeah. did it. Where, uh, you know, last year's, was it last year or two years ago? That Halloween film was a direct sequel to Halloween 2. Brian Singer did that with Superman Returns. It's a thing.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. We see a pattern.
1: It's it's funny how they expect us just to forget years and years and years of of bad sequels. (laughs) No. But we don't forget. We don't forget. This just popped up uh, this past week. But apparently, Lee Whannell, the director of films such as The Invisible Man and also of the film Upgrade, he also Mm. wrote uh, a lot of James Wan's films ranging from Saw to The Conjuring. He is in talks to direct The Wolfman, starring Ryan Gosling. So when I first heard about this, I got really excited because Lee Whannell, to me, is a man that is able to create amazing movies, even though he's limited on budget. So when I see filmmakers like that, I I just get really excited. And if you give a guy like that budget, it's almost a little bit like with Nolan. Um, You know, he broke onto the scene with The Following and then Memento, and then he got a budget for um, first Insomnia and then Batman Begins. So, what are your thoughts? I know you were a big fan of Upgrade.
0: Yeah, I definitely enjoyed Upgrade. Uh, I think, I think this is gonna be great for him because, for one, like you said, you know, he has he works really well with low budgets. And just imagining if you give him just a little bit more money, like what more he can do. I don't know. Like I haven't really seen too many Wolfman films. You know, I think the only like I, the only thing I'm thinking about is Michael J. Fox Wolfman. And that teen was more wolf. of like, or Teen Wolf, I guess, sure, you know? I haven't really seen like a full on Wolfman film, so yeah. unless there's there vampires been, involved.
1: So there have been a lot, but I don't think any of them were really loved. I remember uh, Jack Nicholson played the Wolfman and then Benicio mm. del Toro played him, but mm-hmm. none of them were actually really, really, um, I would say, loved by critics. But apparently Ryan Gosling had his own take on it. So I'm really excited to not only see what his take is, but see him in the role. That was a look at some of the entertainment news and the headlines these days. We also wanted to go through and discuss some of the new releases coming to a television screen near you. It's Friday, July 10th. So I want to talk a little bit about first The Outpost. This came out last week, currently has an 89% in Rotten Tomatoes. It's about a team of U.S. soldiers stationed at the deadliest outpost in Afghanistan. There's another film that's actually releasing today called The Old Guard. Uh, it's starring Charlize Theron. It's available on Netflix now. She leads a covert group of mercenaries, and apparently they are all invincible. They have an inability to die or get hurt. Sounds very interesting based on a graphic novel. We're actually going be, to be reviewing that next week. And we talked last week a little bit about the movie Palm Springs. It currently has a 98% on Rotten Tomato. Yeah, it's actually available today. It was not available last week. Andy Samberg, he plays someone named niles meets someone named sarah at a wedding and what it's basically is it's a a groundhog day rom-com where the day keeps repeating but you're able to actually pull others into the loop with you so it's not like the edge of tomorrow which i think is an interesting take it kind of changes it up just a little bit so i'm really really eager to watch that that's available on hulu Um, and then lastly greyhound is also available and we are reviewing that uh, in this episode in this podcast next week we will we will be reviewing the old guard and we will be going through part nine of our ten over ten series with a look back at the Matrix. And uh, we will we are actually going to have a guest with us at that time. Uh, filmmaker and content creator, Sydney Dyingzen will be joining us. He's a good friend of yours, well. I know it's Deongzen. hard. Diangzyn. Diangzyn. Yes. Apologies. At the last Sydney. names. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then the week after that, we will be reviewing Palm Springs, which we just talked about, and we're going to be pairing that up with our final film of our ten over ten series with a look back at Schindler's List. Now Schindler's List. What we tried to do is pair a movie that's similar to a movie that we're reviewing. Mm. Schindler's List doesn't pair with anything because it's a it's a Holocaust movie. So what do we do? We we paired it with a rom com.
0: I mean, if we if we had Greyhound out earlier, could have matched it yeah. with Greyhound. But you know,
1: yeah, very true, very true. World War
0: Two, yeah. World War Two. I see you. Yes, yes
1: all right and the week after that will and i will be reviewing the film the king of staten island and we will be going through our list of our top five apatote movies of all time so that should be fun really looking forward to that any thoughts comments suggestions or reviews on content drop us a line at the Podfellas podcast at gmail.com and please tell your friends about us our podcast can be found on the apple podcast app google play stitcher as well as spotify and now on to our review of the film greyhound starring tom hanks
0: Congratulations on your first
1: command, at last. I will always be looking for you, Evie. Even if I'm a thousand miles away.
0: Air escort to Greyhound. You will now be out of range of air cover for the next five days. How many crossings does this make?
1: This was my first.
0: I got some. Most likely you both. He's trying to slip under us!
1: We have a kill. Distress rocket, sir. We have hits directly on the convoy.
0: A wolf bag's haunting us.
1: u boat starboard bound!
0: We've lost seven ships and 50 souls. One you did yesterday. Gotta the today. It's not enough.
1: Fire is they there!
0: Target's disappeared, sir.
1: Here they come.
0: What are we gonna do? We'll bring hell down from
1: on high. This film was written by Tom Hanks, which was something that I just found out like right before I saw the film. It's based on a novel by C.S. Forrester, so, so this is not a true story like many other World War II films that are coming out. Here's a quick synopsis. Early in World War II, an inexperienced US Navy captain must lead an Allied convoy being stalked by Nazi U-boat wolf packs. Now obviously this movie is much, much more than that. Uh, we basically both finished watching this last night uh and so now will it's up to us to go ahead and talk through the good the bad and the ugly if there is any ugly which i don't really think there is so will what did you like about this film what were some of your favorite moments
0: I, it's so it's a navy film with little detail or background on the main character and cut straight into the nitty-gritty uh, of the war i it actually didn't need it honestly watching this film i didn't mind not having it um and I not have having been, the backstory right the, well not yeah not having the backstory yeah. of the characters and like I <laughs> I actually would have been okay with Hanks's love life out of the picture as well <laughs> and focusing more on the mission at hand um, the film wasted no time getting to the point of the story story of a captain and his crew on the convoy called Greyhound to escort a large number of Allied convoy ships across the Atlantic while being pursued by German u-boats um, this film Maybe not want to take a pee break because of how Hank's character never took a break to eat and rest. <laughs> it's it, like one of
1: those things where it's like if he's not gonna take a break, I'm not gonna take a yeah, break. Yeah, right? yeah. Like
0: I mean, he's a soldier. <laughs> I can be a soldier. You know, I'm a I'm a team player. Like I ain't gonna yeah. you know because he was yeah. on his feet the entire for the majority yeah. of the film just trying to get the convoys to safety. But I love how every time his chefs would prepare him a meal. Like I feel yeah. like there's something symbolic about that like every you would see it so many times coming in silence would go off and back to work he'd go he would just take a swig of his coffee and just you just see this beautiful plate of good food left and i'm like i want to eat that
1: yeah no seriously i was getting hungry
0: (laughs) (laughs) i was too yeah like dude bacon and eggs like breakfast lunch and dinner like literally every time beautifully plated left to just get cold yeah. Or, or broken or, or fall shit, over or fall over explosion yeah. yes exactly um i i love how i didn't recognize much of the cast except for tom hanks elizabeth shue and and stephen graham it's funny because when we talk about back to the future like i was like oh my gosh it's kind of strange just seeing her in this film for some reason because i still look at her as jennifer for some reason but yeah you know It it took a lot of the focus of the star studded actors and focused on the group of men working diligently and courageously through this harsh, like, through the harsh waters.
1: It made it more believable, right? Since you didn't recognize it. Yeah, it just
0: made the movie feel more whole, I guess, when Mm -hmm. you're watching it. It made me appreciate the cast as a whole, and, and it really felt like I was there, like a fly on the wall, watching everyone work together so professionally. Mm -hmm. Um, funny enough, I I did recognize one actor and it was Lee Norris, who I haven't seen in years. And he starred as a TV actor as in shows such as Boy Meets World. He played Chucky, uh, and, and the Torkelsons, but not many people know the Torkelsons. And that's, that's another (laughs) Disney, um, short lived TV show that I actually used to watch a lot. I, I applaud Tom Hanks writing the screenplay. It was amazing dialogue with amazing execution and, and the chemistry among the casts. Like, I think my favorite moment um, was really how the ship's strategy was executed. Like, when mm-hmm. Tom Hanks is on board his convoy and he gets an alert for the first U-boat, like, there's a moment of waiting and then dialogue on ship commands, even though there were no real action, like even though no real action was happening, it was gripping to see their tactics. Like literally, yeah. I was just like, what's going to happen? You got what's to gonna see happen? a ship
1: work. Yes. Know? And how commands how are relayed Navy. down the yeah. line. Yeah. Yeah. It how was the really Navy works. It, it felt just, authentic too.
0: I felt, yeah, really I literally, yeah. I thought in, in a sense, it's like, it kind of felt like a documentary motion of just real life tactics happening like it's hard to imagine how crazy difficult it must have been to evade a freaking submarine with torpedoes let alone tracking it and destroying it yeah like that was crazy um
1: it was like a total game of cat and mouse and i think they portrayed that really really well it's like the hunter is the hunted yeah and then the hunted becomes the hunter and yeah. that happens like over and over and over again that was really but the, cool
0: but the fact that the uh that the submarine had uh the advantage of being underwater and, and mm-hmm, having mm-hmm. to really figure out how far, how close, all these all these little things. Like to me I thought this is so stressful, but but yeah. exciting. Adrenaline yes. rush at the same time. Completely. Yeah. So I mean, film in general of if there's anything surprising, you know, with this, like do the fact that it was really simple, very linear story of World War II naval yeah. mission. Everyone is in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. There's, there isn't very much you can do but complete the mission. It was yeah. just exciting to see how they were going to survive it. There were no distractions, mm-hmm. no detailed side stories or other in depth character backgrounds, just survival and success.
1: I have to agree with you on that scene with Elizabeth Shue. Um, she's basically in one scene. So, yeah you well,
0: know, I, two scenes i guess yeah the beginning in, of, yeah. in a flashback yeah. yeah i mean we
1: could have i maybe done without it but i think it kind of gave him something to hope in something yeah. to return to which i thought was really uh, necessary and the other thing is i think there's a hint of danger where you know at the beginning of the film um you know he kind of wants to take it further with her in terms of asking for a commitment but you could tell she was on the fence because he's going off to war so i think yeah. it showed that his life was in jeopardy yeah so i felt like it was necessary um, you know, but once again, it, it was like very plot specific because we just kind of placed that out there and then got started with a movie. And it's a short movie, it's it's a 90 minute film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Clear In and terms cut of to the point. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which which is A to B storyline, like you said, very yeah. uh straight to the point. Yeah. Um, what I liked about the film, it had a great cast of supporting characters. There were a lot of like that guys, people that you've seen before, but you can't mm. really, you don't really know their names, but they were all really, really effective. Um, But, of course, it's Tom Hanks that really makes the movie. I mean, he wrote the thing, he produced it, and it was released on his birthday. Today is his birthday, right? So, happy birthday, Oh, happy birthday. Yeah. His performance kind of reminded me of a more serious Captain Miller from Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Uh, Hanks plays Captain Krause here. And if I could compare him to something, I would say he's basically an iceberg. He says, like, a sentence or two. But how he says that line just reveals a ton of information underneath the surface. The slightest grimace or a shiver speaks volumes for the character. There's that scene where he takes his uh, life jacket off and puts his coat back on, and it's like he realizes how cold he was, but he didn't think about it because he no. was in the middle of this big. So fight. much
0: adrenaline pumping through him, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, I felt as though Krauss might have come off a little thin on the page, but with Hank's performance, he brought a whole extra dimension to the character that really has to be seen and and maybe not even read you Mm. just knew that he was going to bring it and add something to it yeah um i mean the movie is basically a live action version of battleship it's the game of course (laughs) not the movie with the aliens that was was a little different i did think
0: about that too i was like this is Mm -hmm. like playing like battleship
1: exactly it's like a six oh Oh, i Though some of the VFX shots were a bit lacking, I'll get into that later, it didn't distract from the harrowing action sequences, which I actually thought were really, really good. My Hmm. favorite moment in the film, um, it's a bit of a spoiler alert, but is it really? I mean, you're... Pretty much starting the movie, knowing for certain that they're going to get to the end because it's a Tom Hanks vehicle. It's a short movie. Yeah. And so, you know, they're not going to try to say something deep and big and profound about the war. I feel like that would be a two, two and a half hour movie. But it's at the end when Hanks is finally congratulated and relieved of his assignment. And before going to bed, he he reveals to an admiral over the radio that this was his very first trip across the Atlantic. Yeah. And then everyone kind of is like, holy cow. sunk four u-boats and this is your first trip across the atlantic that was a great little scene it was very understated his performance which i really really loved a lot yeah it was a good Um, kind
0: of like um honorable and respect of just uh, yeah of of the story itself i mean mm -hmm. and it's great that they didn't like reveal that until towards the end because you're just like what the heck
1: what surprised me like you nothing really surprised me i knew that tom hanks would get his men safely across the atlantic and accomplish his mission But that's okay because for this film, like so many other films, the joy is in the journey. It's not about, oh, he gets to point B, so what? But how he gets to point from point A to point B. Yeah. Uh, Well, actually, one thing surprised me, which I thought was really cool. And I I don't know if they intended it to be funny, but the trash talkers coming from one of the German U boats, (laughs) which is basically. I forgot about that
0: only because, like, yeah, it's weird. Go on. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah. it's, It's similar to, like, the Emperor in Return of the Jedi your fleet is lost. You will be mine. And he's they're kind of like constantly trying to get in his head. Yeah, but it was you more tell. Yeah, but the
0: but the wolf pack was hilarious. like I don't know, the the guy whoever the captain who was the leader was, he's yeah. just like we're going to sink you tomorrow. Oh, yeah. and he starts yeah. to howl. Yeah, and they start
1: howling. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool though. You know, it, it was fine. I, I wonder if they actually did that. I wonder.
0: I wonder too. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. but I thought it was yeah. funny. Yeah. I don't know. It's like it wasn't cheesy, but kind of was. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it was good. Yeah.
1: yeah. All right, Will. What didn't you like about this film?
0: What I didn't like. You know, it it wasn't... And I've already kind of mentioned it, though. Like, it wasn't so much like I didn't like it, but Captain Krause, Tom Hanks' character, and his love interest played by Elizabeth Shue. It, it just... It didn't seem necessary. I mean, it's fine and it's cute, but I would have been okay to have taken those scenes out and replaced it focusing on the mission more but Mm -hmm. with what you said earlier about you know um, tom hanks's character and like really right off the bat yeah and and, and right off the bat wanting to make a commitment for Mm -hmm. for for uh, elizabeth shue's character she obviously denied him because like she just she wasn't sure if he was going to come back alive you know Mm -hmm. so you know i think that towards the end when he recollects again it's kind of like yeah, that's right. Now you're going to marry me. <laughs> Like, as if it's like, you're going to marry me now <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, that, that's I, I don't mind it, uh, but I, I could have done. I would have been fine without it, too. And yeah, you know what's
1: funny you know, is uh, I was watching it with my wife and she was like, wait, they're not married because it's like, you know, you see two older people like and they're, you know, good looking people. Right. Tom Hanks and Elizabeth Shue. And you're just like, wait. They're not married? Why aren't they married? And they kind of you start to ask questions maybe more than you should. It kind of took you took me slightly out of the film. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Well, I mean, I actually did like for a moment I did wonder like how old are they supposed to be portrayed here and, and still single? Like Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting.
1: The biggest issue I had was basically the look of the film, uh, namely the visual effects. Really? I yeah, I thought it was really obvious that a lot of the shots were shot against a green screen. one thing i know about if there's one thing i know about vfx it's that it's really hard to make choppy water look authentic because water is chaos or you have water flowing in every direction and to kind of make that uh, with with computer graphics it's Mm -hmm. hard to do and to make it look real so i don't know i just kept staring at the water and kept thinking that looks a little fake you know (laughs) so that was one thing and i overall had some issues with the general look of the film um I mean this was a clean digitally shot film and i feel like that the way it was captured and um, just world war ii movies in general it, it kind of doesn't mix well for example with saving private ryan it was shot on film and then you know they of course bleach bypass all of the footage to give it that kind of desaturated look and i felt like everything just looked very digital too clean and that kind of goes in line with what i just mentioned about the vfx not looking completely realistic that kind of took me out of it, but like I said, the action sequences were amazing, and it didn't bother me during those times. Do you believe? And the,
0: I think Well, I mean, sorry to cut you off right there, but do you believe that that World War II films or any period piece films need to have uh, grit or, or or some type of texture in the film with itself to kind of match, I guess, the period piece?
1: Not always, but I mean, this is a gritty film. It's a period piece, so the fact that it looks so digital, I felt like slightly betrayed. The time that the movie was taking place. Got in. it. Okay. But once again, that's completely you know my opinion on Just it. Just an artistic choice. Know. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah also, yeah. also, there were a lot of fades to black throughout the course of the film, like a lot, where we would fade to black and then there would be text that says what time of day it was and yeah. how much more time. Four noon. That
0: 0800 yeah. to 1200.
1: Yeah. yeah, and it says basically how much more time until they get, like, air cover. At first, I was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, but then towards the end, it started popping up over and over and over again, a slow fade to black, information on the screen, and then we fade back in. And, I mean, for myself, I would have been just fine with a nice lower third with that information. Interesting. But that's just me. To me,
0: yeah. it kind of just reminded me of, like, video game transition, to be honest. It's like when yeah. you get to the next yeah. scene or the next chapter of, of the gameplay,
1: so... This this really did feel like a video game, just the way that you're going from point A to point B accomplishing the mission. And yep. even the voices that I heard like through the radio, they sounded like voices you would hear in Call of Duty, you know. <laughs> did you did <laughs> yeah. you ever think that? No. Um a little bit, but more the sense of like, I don't know, like, just a World
0: War 2 uh game in general, like Day of Defeat or something where I just yeah. you're on a boat this time and you have to uh basically accomplish this mission and try to sink those u-boats i don't know it was just yeah pretty much a video game yeah
1: all right well it's time for a final review of our film
0: i give this film 3.5 out of five stars it was simple action-packed momentous and exciting i mean world war ii was and still is a huge part of our history and there's so many stories to be told like this small mm. part of the war that does not go without significance. It, it re- every part of the war has a great significance. It's just it, it did just that though. You know, it tells a story of a mission and how that mission was carried out, and you know, I, I, I would like to actually see some more linear, just A to B missions and and just be mm. able to not that it's like. Uh, it's, it's not just because i i just want to see like a mindless film no it's like really understand i feel like you understand the war so much better when when you look through the complexities of uh what the soldiers had to go through you know what i mean uh no matter what how simple the ca- uh, how simple the mission may be it's still dangerous mm-hmm. yeah so oh. that was, yeah my review
1: I give it three and a half stars. It's a fairly simple A to B story. The VFX are just average, I would say, and the end is fairly predictable. But Tom Hanks' performance really does take this film to another level. It's a fun watch from beginning to end, and it's the perfect length for a film of this nature at about 90 minutes. So, yep, it looks like we agree, which is fairly rare, but happening a lot more these (laughs) days. I don't know how I feel about that.
0: But I also compared this film, you know, similar to 1917 as well, you know simple story a to b um may have been just a little bit longer than it needed to be but still beautifully executed and i yeah like i that's the other film i can compare it to with this so i Mm. think an hour and a half of a mission film of world war ii i think is pretty uh pretty good (laughs) it's like the perfect amount of time
1: yeah cool i think so too all right that was our review of the film greyhound it's available for streaming now on apple tv plus playing at all major couches across America. For our podcast listeners, we will take a short break. Who are you? You can call me Andy. I lead a group
0: of soldiers. Fighters like you. With an extremely rare skill set. What do you mean? Let's just say, we're very hard to kill.
1: You've got questions, kid. You want answers? This, what's up with that? I have the new one. And? I think she has potential.
0: <laughs> See, you're already healing faster. You're gonna do great. So are you good guys or bad guys? Depends on the century. So we really never die. Mm.
1: Just because we keep living doesn't mean we stop burning.
0: <laughs>
1: Throughout history, we've protected this world fighting in the shadows. It's nearly impossible
0: to disappear in the world we live in today. Would you like me to take one for you?
1: Oh, thank you so much. There you go. Thank, thank you. These are... Extraordinary individuals. They are extremely resistant to capture. They're going to
0: lock us up and weaponize us. But they've never faced an army like ours.
1: An army of five. Shit, let's start a band. If we can unlock their genetic code, the entire world will be begging us for the key. Have done that we don't have all the answers
0: but we do have purpose
1: i strongly recommend that we leave right now all right everyone we are back and we'll be taking a look at the film spirited away i want to go into our first segment here Called honest reactions, where I reveal interesting facts about the movie, and then we just talk about, of course, our honest reactions. So, first off, *Spirited Away* was created without a script. In fact, Miyazaki's films never have scripts. Now, Will, did you know he works this way? You're a big Miyazaki fan, right?
0: Yeah, like he. I've read interviews, and and after I watched *Spirited Away* and looked more into him way like back in 2000, 2000 2001 I believe this was released he has a natural born talent like when I see that a freaking person or a creative director that can create a story just by drawing yeah storyboards. Like, who the freak does that? I mean, I mean, yeah. granted, maybe there are others out there, but like like with Miyazaki, man, it, it blew my mind. It yeah. was...
1: Most people, if they work without a script, you're screwing yourself and you lose sight of the story itself, I feel like. Because
0: I think you try to go in so many directions. I think there's so yeah. many because there's so many possibilities. Like for him, I feel like once he draws a storyboard... He just knows exactly where it's going. I
1: feel like if he had a script, it would almost hinder him and, and take away his creativity. So it's weird that he works this way, but I mean, whatever works for him... Yeah, it's he, just free he flowing. Needs to keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Completely free flowing.
1: So apparently, also Miyazaki does everything. He wrote, directed, and drew the storyboards for the movie. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, writing the movie with drawings. When you watch yeah. the film, you're seeing one man's unified work and vision. The filmmaker is so influential and involved in the production that the New Yorker once called him the auteur of anime.
0: If you think about it, it it's it's like he is um, reading his own comic book without the um, letter bubbles. You know what I mean. And he's able to, but he just knows exactly what they're saying. So I am so inspired and jealous that he has this ability. Um, and so, yeah, I love it. I love him for that.
1: And this movie is the highest grossing film in Japan. And it's been that way for a very, very long time. So it's, good. It's, it's actually beaten out Titanic and Frozen. And also it. it Wait, it beat out Titanic? I didn't know that. Yeah. What yeah. the so heck? It, it made not just a little bit more money, but a lot more money than Titanic and Frozen. Wow. So apparently there are people and that were Frozen. like, okay, when Frozen comes out, it's going to take over. You know, it's going to win. But no, it didn't. So this movie really, really, really resonated with, with the country of Japan. Wow. Will, would you say this is his best movie?
0: Uh, Yeah, I would say a top three for me.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay, got uh, it. I,
0: I think would I put Spirit of White at number one for his films, like, ah, uh, man. Yeah, I, I would say I, I would say it's up there. I would say Spirit Away, uh, then uh, House Moving Castle, and then uh, Ponyo. I really liked Ponyo. Okay. Not, Ponyo's <laughs> like a hit or miss a lot of people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right, last thing here. And this is a little bit freaky here. I don't know how I feel about this. Davy Chase voiced Chihiro, the female protagonist. She also voiced Lilo in Lilo and Stitch. That's fine. But she also played Samara in The Ring, the American version starring Naomi Watts um she has talent (laughs) it's it's weird that someone that looks so disturbingly freaky in a movie has a voice that's so innocently childlike yeah i think that makes it even scarier to be honest now on to our main review of the film will do you remember when you first watched the film what was your reaction to it and is it as good as you remember it
0: i remember watching this film when i was 16 in select theaters with my uh sister sister's ex-boyfriend at the time uh I would have to say, Awkward. like this. This uh, we won't dive into that. Do, do you
1: guys still keep up? Do you guys text message and be like, hey, remember that time when you were dating my sister?
0: <laughs> Awkward. Okay. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I would have to say this film played a significant part in, in my decision, actually, mm. to pursue the arts, specifically visual effects for film and animation. Like this was before realizing my real passion was for editing. I, I never really got into Japanese animation until I watched Spirited Away. Um, mm. This film blew my mind with its beautiful colors, animation, the music, and, and of course the story which even blew my mind even more once I realized how Miyazaki uh, develops his stories. Uh, I instantly became his, a fan of his with his, with this film, like his creative vision uh, as a storytelling, as a storyteller is like completely unique. And it's evident here in what I would call his rendition of Alice in Wonderland and Wizard Mm. of Oz. Um,
1: Totally.
0: His creation of the world of Spirit Away is even more fascinating because the, plot grew as he was drawing storyboards allowing the story to grow organically is a talent as i've said earlier that i always felt was a gift it's something that seems so hard to do when you don't have a script
1: the reason why i think he's able to get along with it is because he inherently deeply understands story structure and lets it guide him along the way i don't think a lot of people can do that work without a script
0: i feel like he has that natural gift that will resonate automatically with people you know and that's everyone trusts him because he's Miyazaki right yes and and so I mean this film still holds a place in my heart as like one of my top 10 top 5 japanese animated films of all time like rewatching it mm-hmm. today still leaves me in awe and feeling inspired and, and learning about japanese uh japanese shinto folklore as one of the main mm-hmm. themes of this film and and mm-hmm. still is fascinating like to give a brief definition of what shinto means it, it said it centers on polytheism and it revolves mm-hmm. around the japanese word kami which means spirits or gods that live and dwell in all things, and mm-hmm. so obviously when you watch this film, it's it's about her being stuck in the spirit world of commies, like everywhere, like you just see them coming around everywhere. So
1: it's not communists, but commies. <laughs> right.
0: I should have totally seen that coming yeah. from you. There's,
1: there's like <laughs> Stalin isn't like floating around or anything, <laughs> anything like that. No, okay, just no, double checking.
0: No, just Mussolini just kidding Uh, ah,
1: he's a fascist will he is a fascist that's right get your history right yes and ho chi minh maybe he's floating around too anyway Uh, okay i'm not the biggest fan of traditional japanese animation and i'll tell you why the dialogue and how the characters are drawn even the themes behind the storytelling it feels like it's basically catered more to an adult audience Uh, there's a big solid line between like Ghibli films and Disney films in that Disney, the audience oh, yeah. is very clearly, you know, f- for children, right? Uh, because of that, it took me a while to really get into the film. But ultimately what got me engrossed was all of the beautiful, rich characters. There were just so many different looks and personalities on the screen at one time. It was just creatively, it, it was as if in my mind, something just kind of got unlocked and it kind of mm. opened myself up to this world. Mm-hmm. Like every reservation just kind of dropped when all of these spirits started appearing you know Hmm. in this case it's as if every spirit had their own purpose whether we were told that purpose or not it felt as though miyazaki had a purpose for them and so you know even though i didn't may not have seen it i trusted his storytelling to kind of guide me through the world Um, even though he worked without a script it's obvious that he innately understands storytelling it's evident in the character change of the main character hero from a fussy immature girl to a strong and capable girl that saves her parents mm-hmm. she even lost her name and was called sen and had to earn the right to have it back at the end yeah. it's also clear that miyazaki understands mythology and that he also understands how we all connect to legends fables and fairy tales because yeah. that's what this movie basically is it's, it's a fable it's a fairy tale and it's the only way that spirited away is able to resonate so deeply with its viewers In it does so because of his connection to understanding how we connect to stories and legends ourselves yeah um watching the movie made me feel like a kid again when we were younger our imaginations were endless and somehow we lost that as we got older but i don't think miyazaki ever lost it i think his imagination is still endless seeing an adult that's so in tune with his own unhindered creativity somehow made me want to get back in touch with mine which is why this this movie really resonated with me and the score was Perfect. I mean, Beautiful, I've heard right? the score yeah. in so many different movies and films and trailers, and I didn't realize it that it came from here. It was really, really perfect. It was so simple, too, mm-hmm. which I really loved. Uh, I loved the relationship between Haku and Chihiro. It's really unique, and it grows organically throughout the film in a very convincing way. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it's like a boy-girl-innocent crush, but I felt like that would just simplify too much. It's more than that. There's like a deep... Seated respect and understanding of one another because of how their paths were actually intertwined, and the movie gets into that. Will, what were some of your favorite moments in the film?
0: I love the atmosphere of the abandoned amusement park. So the when she enters uh, the amusement park, uh, the abandoned amusement park, like the the vibrant colors of the buildings, the the lighting, and the overall energy of the location was just interesting to see. Like just you, you, it's like when you walk around. I don't know, uh, Europe and, and somewhere Mm -hmm. like that was built in the, 1200s or something like that you just you just can't help but to look at the same piece of stone over and over again because it's like wow this is this is old or this is so fascinating you know and there's other moments such as like the amusement park comes to life with spirits and it's like too late for shahiro and her parents who have turned into hogs to escape is amazing like it transforms into a new world the spirit world where beautiful lights emerge spirits ascend and the atmosphere is just breathtaking you're just like what the heck like literally alice in wonderland but i would say better than alice in wonderland the way it transforms um mm-hmm. like another moment is when shihiro meets with haku to see her parents again who are now pigs like haku tells her of how yubaba steals everyone's names in order to, con- to control them uh mm-hmm. this is a pivotal moment of uh, to the growth of their relationship i think uh, which is important to the film like it's an endearing moment when haku offers shihiro now called sen uh, a rice ball and tells her that he has a difficult time remembering his name, but not hers. It's a cute love story that kind of begins to unfold as she stuffs her face with more of her rice balls.
1: So do you think it's weird that he is offering his rice balls to her even though they just met?
0: <laughs> I think, well they are more like balls balls, they're more like a triangle. <laughs> I don't know what they call it specifically, but no, I think it's cute, right? So yeah, it's-, it's In it's, some circles,
1: <laughs> some might think it's cute. I don't um, know. I, others, don't I think it's a forward, but <laughs> I'm not gonna dwell okay. in this
0: right now. But, uh, other ones like when Sen takes on her first customer, uh, she she has to find a job at the bathhouse and she can't be denied, so she has to like push herself. So what she does, and and she finally gets the job. She she takes on her first com- a customer. It's a, it's called the Stink Spirit. Uh, or what they think is a stink spirit at the bathhouse. It turns out that it's not at all, but actually a rich and powerful river spirit. She frees him from all the pollution inside of him and proves herself to the others at the bathhouse. Like up to that point, they all condemn her because she was human and not capable and think they're lazy. But like she really, she really like proved herself and, and, and gained acceptance and respect. Mm-hmm. And like lastly, but definitely not like, you know, the last last of like, there's so many great scenes and, and moments, but like the scene where Chihiro helps Haku remember his name and, and they realize, I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it yet though. So, but it's just, they realized that they met a long time ago, but how they met yeah. a long time ago, I thought was very awesome. It was so cool. So
1: my favorite moment is that moment as well, uh, mm-hmm. not to give anything away. If you haven't seen the film, but basically they have a shared history and a shared past in which. He had saved her life, even though they don't remember the details of it. And then yeah. later on, she's able to save his. And I think that just lends to the depth of their of their connection with one another. And it was, uh, so it, it was so good. was so good how
0: Miyazaki, you know, tied that in.
1: Does this movie still hold up today, Will? What do you think?
0: I think we've lost the passion and the courage to take risks and tell bold, wholly original and surreal stories. Mm. Um, not that they're not out there. They're just not to the masses. And I think that's a shame, you know. However, having films and stories such as these can always re-inspire and reignite future storytellers to do the same mm, in terms absolutely. of the animation. I think that there is still always hope, you know.
1: Uh, for myself, uh, I mean, I think it's very obvious that CG is the dominant form of animation so a film like spirited away which is completely hand-drawn it actually doesn't look dated it looks fresh because it's not like it was badly drawn or drawn no. in a in a way where it's sloppy it's so detailed and intricate that seeing something like this today feels completely fresh and original and That's because you know yeah. yeah, because you know validity. it's hand drawn and you can see that it's hand drawn, it lends a certain authenticity and a certain earnestness to the storytelling. It feels more honest and that kind of draws you into the film. All of yeah. these things really make it feel fresh. Um the narrative is classic and timeless. So, I mean, a narrative in a film like this can easily be the narrative in like a Pixar movie, you know, like a like an A to B story where the protagonist starts as one character, completely changes and goes on this amazing journey. It's the core of good storytelling. So I think it absolutely holds up well today. Transitioning over to maybe something that we did not like, I think we maybe agreed on this. Will, uh, what is something wait, wait. that you...
0: Uh, I need to ask you though, because I want to hear like you go first about what you didn't like.
1: Uh, the things that kind of made it hard for me to get into really disappeared quickly when the spirit started to appear and that whole, all of my inhibitions were kind of lost and I really dove into the film. One of the things that I didn't really like was the limited backstory that the no face character was given. It He mm-hmm. plays such an integral part of the story and of what happens to Chihiro or, you know, uh, also known as Sen. but basically uh, he does so much in the film and causes so much trouble and, Um, drama for all the other characters that basically, you know, at some point he literally kind of stops becoming a big deal and we don't really know what makes him tick. We felt like because his character is such a large part of the plot that he needed certain rules to live by or maybe some exposition. That really wasn't there. I mean, we're told that when that spirit arrived uh, to the bathhouse that it made him sick and it kind of corrupted him but then he eventually leaves and goes back to normal and we don't really see what or why he became sick and also why leaving made him you know normal again and all of a sudden he's like a friend with chihiro again and there's just so many things here which aren't explained and i think that you know given the fact that all of these characters have such a rich history and backstory in the film even though it's not revealed we are just in faith believing these things i think maybe miyazaki leaned on that a little bit too much, assuming we would just not ask the questions about no face. But in this case, I do ask the questions.
0: I will say he's actually there as a figure of innocence. So uh, even though like there's not much to him, but when you see him in the bathhouse and his innocence is corrupted, that's where you know he started getting greedy, eating, doing all this crap, you know. But once Chihiro gave him that um, that like uh, fermented yeah uh, yeah yeah fermented dumpling right yeah. that that saved couple of people but also no face when you put it in his mouth and he threw it all back up yeah. like literally it's just like just taking all that corruption back out he's back to innocence but then he leaves the bathhouse so when yeah. he leaves the bathhouse and follows chihiro because for him he doesn't like it, it's it's kind of like a, a wandering child they don't know where they're going but the, yeah. me, the moment that they leave to go to zaniba which is yubaba's twin sister who is a the good witch or the mm-hmm. good yeah the good witch he then is um uh, basically being restored in a safe place he was really trying to visually explain that which Mm -hmm. i thought was like it actually
1: makes perfect sense and in my opinion kind of goes along with some of the more overarching themes in the film Mm -hmm. maybe we can switch over and shift and talk about kind of the themes that we saw Will yeah the main
0: theme is for me was that of an unlikely hero Like Chihiro, an ordinary kid with no special abilities, that uncovers her natural abilities of of courage, tenacity, and confidence. Like when Yubaba takes Chihiro's name and renames her to Sen, her nature as a child turns suddenly turns into that taking the adult responsibilities to save her parents. Like taking on a new identity, it's a bit of a coming of age story, if you will. The, The other themes are basically, like, taking power and wealth for granted versus living an honest and righteous life. Like, as shown by the twin sisters Yubaba and Zaniba, like, where runs the bathhouse, but lives a lavish lifestyle and controls her workers with tyranny and power. Like, her magical abilities also showcase her laziness because she you don't really see her pick up after herself. She just waves her hand and everything's done for her kind of thing. It's like, she just does the least amount of work. But... Mm-hmm gets the most reward. When you look at Zeniba, her twin sister, uh, she lives the opposite lifestyle. She lives in a quaint cottage out in the middle uh, of the countryside. She, she believes in living simply and working honestly as it teaches you the real significance of how life should be lived for yourself and for others around you, even though she has the same magical powers as her twin mm. sister
1: with great power comes great responsibility great responsibility I, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see spider-man in uncle there ben. but i would not <laughs> tote
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah or uncle ben if uncle ben was there she's married to zaniba okay yes in the
1: spirit world in general the things that i see agree with what you said and also what we just talked about with no face is that the movie really speaks out against greed gluttony commercialism and industrialization essentially progress can be the enemy of innocence so consider these things the two river gods are deeply hindered and affected in the film, uh, one of which is Haku and the other, which is the stink monster, which we realize is just a polluted river god. Um, and one is, of course, affected by pollution, like we said. The other is affected by commercialization. No-Face giving gold out to whoever would take it. Whoever accepts it would be a target of his appetite. And also Chihiro's parents turning into pigs when they lose their inhibitions and ovary at a food stand. And mm-hmm. of course, they don't pay for the food or anything. They just start digging in. And I think that goes in line perfectly with what you said about no face, the fact that he comes to the bathhouse becomes corrupted and isn't really able to stop himself from anything. And then he leaves and eventually is able to kind of kind of go back to normal. So mm-hmm. uh, innocence being corrupted by all of these distractions and hindrances around us. And maybe even, I think the the um, example you brought up with Zaniba and her twin sister, Yubaba, that's very similar as well. Living simply, uh, protecting uh, the virtues that we're born with is, is I think the ideal that Miyazaki wants to protect here. Mm. So with that being said, time for our final reviews of the film. We talked about this in our review of Greyhound. We review our films and give it a star rating out of five stars. Five stars is a perfect film. Four stars is an amazingly excellent film. Two and a half stars, we would say is a positive review. Uh,
0: I give it a 4.5 stars out of five. It's bold It's inspiring it's a beautiful story created on the spot Miyazaki is just a man of brilliance who has an amazing gift
1: yeah wholly agree I give it four stars I love seeing auteurs play in their sandbox and create and Miyazaki is able to do so unhindered it seems like and kind of do it however the way he wants to do it which is I think the right way to treat someone like him he's an amazingly visual filmmaker and this is the perfect example and you let a gifted artist run wild with their imagination. Whatever flaws that were in the movie were easily covered over by the childlike wonder brought on by the visuals. Also, I highly recommend this movie if you've been high or have been drinking. (laughs) Because, yeah, this movie is trippy. Like, really just kind of out there with the visuals. All right, that was it for our review of Spirited Away. I want to remind everyone to tune in next week where we'll be reviewing the film The Old Guard, which is available on Netflix now. And taking a look back at the film *The Matrix*, and we'll be doing that with uh, our good friend Sydney is Diangzen, and- right? <laughs> Sydney Dyingzen. Sorry, Sydney. And of course, we'll also be back with our entertainment rundown. So we'll see you then. Take care, everyone.